0: The following message is brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of Crown Point Baptist Church and Pastor Mark Ermler. And this is part two of the start of our examination of the fall feast, Leviticus chapter 23. I really was hoping uh, to, to get through it all this morning and then I remembered, ah, these people really lost out on an hour of sleep. And uh, I I thought, I'm going to be kind and gracious and let them go home and take naps, all right? So I'm glad you did. I'm glad you're back. And I'm glad uh, you're uh, excited about getting the second half of uh, our study uh, from God's holy word. Well, this is the Feast of the Trumpets, and uh, this is, uh, again... The grouping would be the fall feast. Let's just take a look again at the four feasts from the springtime. And the springtime feast, uh, beginning with the Passover, all fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Uh, the unleavened bread, again, fulfilled with the reality that in Christ my life is new. Uh, they were required to get all the leaven out. Leaven's a picture of sin. And when it's a seven day feast, it's a continuation. Seven's the number of perfection. And uh, this is, again, a picture of when I have Christ as my Savior, I can walk a new walk, not through my power, but through Christ in me. And what a blessing that is, that uh, uh, the, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ has allowed um, our life at salvation to be uh, filled here with His Spirit. And uh, what a blessing that is on the unleavened bread. We went right to the first fruits. The first day after the Sabbath following the Passover. That's a mouthful. But what it means is resurrection Sunday morning is first fruits. That's all it means. It just means here Jesus Christ was the first of the resurrection. And we, uh, as uh, that future resurrection, uh, also uh, will be gathered one day. Um, I didn't mention this morning, and I should have remembered, Pentecost was the, uh, the two loaves how important is that? Uh, all right, in, uh, in, as we look at the first fruits, uh, again, those are individual stalks of grain that are weighed before the Lord. But in the Feast of Pentecost, Pentecost means 50, and uh, it is uh, 50 days here from the first fruits offering, the Bible says. It lands on Sunday. It lands on the very same Sunday that you're going to read about in Acts chapter 2. And there in the book of Acts chapter 2, of course, the Holy Spirit uh, comes upon those 120. Uh, I read one commentator that said these 120 went all up into that room, individual stalks of grain, and they came down as a loaf. All right, Uh, what are we talking about? We're talking about the fact that church is a unified body. Uh, it's it's the loaf there described here in Leviticus 23. Of course, is a, a fine flour representing the Lord Jesus Christ. What's the other ingredient that you have in this one? Leaven. All right. So uh, the first picture is no leaven. Get it out of the house. Nothing. Nowhere. And this second picture of the two loaves, God said, listen, you got the, you got the Jesus part, all right, that's the fine flour, uh, but, but the picture is there is leaven in these loaves, and these two loaves are waved, just like the wheat, uh, I'm sorry, the barley was waved, so also the loaves are waved before the Lord. I believe one representing uh, the local church and one representing, uh, again, uh, the, uh, the Jewish nation. But you see here uh, the Pentecost and what God did there. So those are the spring feasts. How many times did they have to travel Jerusalem during the spring uh, season? All uh, right, How many times? Two. All right. One time all together. The first three feasts are all together in, in one shot. You're getting Passover, unleavened bread, and first fruits just... Bang, 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 all right? So those are all there. Then they go back home, and 50 days later, they return again for Pentecost. So there's two comings of the three that Deuteronomy 8 speak about. It says, you're required. If you're a Jewish, man, you are required three times a year to come. And uh, so two of them are in the spring. Let's look at the fall feasts. Here you have the last of the three feasts. We are starting today with the Feast of the Trumpets, uh, this was their new year, all right? This is the first month of their civil calendar, the first day of the month, uh, Rosh Hashanah, and uh, it's a celebration of the Jews, and yet at the same time, it's a tremendous introspection uh, because in the Jewish mind, they had some very particular views or, or ideas about what God was doing specifically in those 10 days, Let me take you here to the life of a Jewish person, even some today, that this Feast of Trumpets starts in the evening, and there will be a 10-day period between the Feast of Trumpets and the uh, Day of Atonement. That's the 10th day of the month. A Jewish individual during that time has been taught that there are two books. There's a book of life and the book of death. Okay? Think about this for you. And God knows everybody that's going to die in that next year. This is the first day of the year. It's kind of like, you know, we kind of look back, uh, you know, for New Year's resolutions, right? Uh, I know what I didn't do, and I I want to improve on. Well, for the Jewish New Year, they've got a whole different dynamic going on. Because in front of them is the book of life and the book of death, and they don't know if they're in either the book of life or the book of death. And they are taught that during those 10 days, there's things that you might be able to do to cause God's mind to be changed if you're right now in the book of death. Remember, nobody knows what year they're going to die. And so for the next 10 days, there is agony of soul. And it is that concept of weighing out the good and the bad. And and uh, you're going to have some Jewish people that are going to uh, get uh, very generous during those 10 days. They're going to try to you know, do the very best they can in, in their circles of family or community or, or on the job. Uh, they're, they're going to be looking deeply into their own life. You uh, we, we know the phrase bar mitzvah, but mitzvah basically deals with your good deeds, your good works. And uh, so this is what is taking place over those 10 days. They're examining, uh, they're hoping there's enough good works so that if they happen to be in the book of death, that God would change his mind and put them in the book of life. Well, I'm so glad that Jesus Christ has come and that in Christ we have life. Uh, Boy, if it's resting on me, I'm in trouble. All right? But aren't you glad it's rested on Christ, the perfect, sinless lamb of God that we sang about and the reality that now in Christ here we're not looking at ourselves but we're looking at that perfect lamb uh, the Lord Jesus Christ all right so that's uh, uh, that's the trumpets I wrote down I tried to put these uh, slides in an order maybe that I can uh, kind of backtrack just a little bit all right so now uh, let's go on here guys to that first point uh, Reuben number 1, if you had your notes from this morning, uh, the Feast of Trumpets, we see an ending of the harvest. Leviticus, let's look at it, chapter 23, we're reviewing just the, the main concept of the first point, and when ye reap the harvest of your land. So the Feast of the Trumpets actually uh, is in between... I'm sorry, the Feast of the Trumpets in the fall and the last of the Spring Feast, Pentecost, in between is this verse. All right, it's, it's, uh, Verse 21 ends with the description of what Pentecost is all about. Uh, it starts up there in verse number 15, "...and ye shall count unto you from the morrow after the Sabbath," that's Sunday, "...from the day that ye brought the sheaf of the wave offering, seven Sabbaths shall be complete." And so the whole description down through verse 21 is Pentecost. And so after the Feast of Pentecost, that'll be our May-June area, they're all going home now, and for three months, they're all home. There's no feasts. The next feast is not until our September-October and uh, the Feast of Trumpets there. So uh, as they go back in between the Feast of the Trumpets, notice verse 24, speaking to the children of Israel, saying, in the seventh month... In the first day of the month shall ye have a Sabbath, a memorial, a blowing of the trumpets. So verse 24 starts with the trumpets. Verse 21 is still about Pentecost. What's in between? Well, it's three months. They're listed there. Tammuz, Ab, Elo. And these three months are what we looked at this morning, the summer harvest season. It's the wheat harvest And what we learn from verse 22 and 23 is that God said, And when you reap the harvest of your land, thou shalt not make clean riddance of the corners of thy field. When thou reapest, neither shalt thou gather any gleanings of thy harvest. Thou shalt leave them unto the poor, to the stranger. I am the Lord your God. It's just fascinating to me that God is teaching Concerning his economics to Israel, what you ought to do with the poor and with the strangers, but there's a much bigger spiritual meaning. The bigger spiritual meaning is God is harvesting, and there is a blessing in this period between Pentecost and trumpets for the stranger, and the word stranger is for Gentile. You say, What in the world? What happened at Pentecost? The church. The Holy Spirit, very quickly into the life of the church, now you see it's not just a Jewish institution, but there's Gentiles. And then as you go a few more pages in, you realize that, boy, there's Gentiles not only being gloriously saved, but churches that are predominantly Gentiles. And and so this time uh, of the church age now becomes this harvest season. And as we stress this morning, this harvest season is just for the here and now. What we're waiting for is that future event. The first four spring feasts, historically, for us, they're past. Every one of them has been fulfilled. Nothing in the fall feasts is yet fulfilled. The trumpets is not fulfilled. The atonement is not fulfilled. Uh, feast of the tabernacles, that's not fulfilled. Uh, but just as the details of the first four feasts... I mean, everything about the lamb, no broken bones, four days they examined them, the loaves, the crushing of the wheat into one unit, the local church there at Pentecost, uh, with leaven in it. Boy, that's a picture of the church. You know, there's some people say, I don't want to go to church because all those hypocrites. Hey, there's always room for one more, right? Here we have loaves with leaven. And uh, we recognize that God's plan is th- this mystery of the church, Ephesians 3:3. We're going to look at that a little bit later. But it is a mystery. It's, it's a wonderful mystery. The Jewish people didn't see it. Uh, the, the disciples surely didn't see it. They, Peter was, was screaming all the way every time you know when he saw that, that vision of the sheets coming down with the unclean animals. Boy, was he upset that God wanted him to eat. I'm a good Jew. I don't eat bacon. I don't eat this. I don't eat that. I, uh, that's against uh, the rules. And the Lord Jesus was teaching him, listen, there is no unclean thing in relationship to people, specifically Cornelius, a Gentile that needed to get saved. And uh, oh, how that eyes opened up to what God was doing, not just reaching Jews to the Jews first, yes, but to the world. That's what Jesus taught. Go, oh, you know, the world. Preach the gospel to the Jews. No, preach the gospel to who? Every creature. All right, so we see that uh, in uh, Leviticus 23, verse 22. The harvest and the stranger... Are mentioned there. All right, we saw this morning that the trumpets really is taught to us in Numbers 10. Real quick, throw up that uh, slide. Uh, we saw three different times here in the book of Numbers, chapter 10, where trumpets are used. And remember, there were two silver trumpets uh, that God's people had, and they were for this purpose uh, a call of assembly. It's gathering the people together. A blow of an alarm, they would blow the trumpet if there was trouble in any regard, verse 5, or, or warfare. And then an announcement that needed to be publicly made, verse number 10. And so we see this concept of the two trumpets. And what we tried to lay out before you this morning is, uh, yes, these two trumpets represent two times that the trumpet's going to blow. And the first time is at the beginning of the tribulation period, And then we see uh, this gathering of God's people and then that final uh, coming of the Lord Jesus Christ to this earth in his second coming or his return, all right? It's important to realize that the first time Jesus is coming in the air to meet us, the church, second time uh, he is coming to this world, all right? And, uh, and we've got to keep both of those uh, straight in our hearts and in our minds, all right? So let's go ahead. We've looked at that harvest, and the main point of uh, the Sunday morning's message was the purpose of God, the people of God, the program of God. Um, this, is, this is what this time is all about for the church. We are in the summer season. Prophetically, we're talking about God's calendar. Where, where are we in God's calendar? Well, the past is the spring feast and the future is the fall feast. It's where we are. We can look back in absolute confidence at what God's already done, but we are looking forward to anticipation with what God is going to do. And, uh, and we're going to see uh, that the harvest is that which ought to consume us uh, as far as God's call Uh, for us as his people, all right? So let's go ahead from that first point into new territory. If you have your notes, uh, let's go on to uh, point number two, and we're going to look at the Hebrews. Now, I'm I'm using the word Hebrews instead of the Jews only because I wanted to use H's, all right? Did you get it? Uh, What do we have here? Uh, Well, uh, through the text, you're looking at, first of all, the harvest, That was an easy one in the text, and finding hope is an easy one from the New Testament. And uh, I I knew the middle point had to be about the Jewish nation, and so we're going to stay with our H's, all right? So let's look at the Hebrews. In the Feast of the Trumpets, we see God's final working with the Hebrew nation or the Jewish nation. And I want us to go to some texts, both here from the Old Testament and uh, from the New Testament, Because I think it's important for us to understand that, um, again, replacement theology has no place in the life of the child of God. Uh, Martin Luther was absolutely wrong when he said, uh, God is done with the Jewish people as a nation. That was wrong. And a lot of reformers embrace that. That's why in the Reformed churches, they are still teaching that doctrine. Martin Luther taught it. And, and then you have some very ugly ramifications that have happened. Uh, we were re- reading stories uh, about World War II and, again, my family. And one article I came across, my, my, my dad was a German prisoner of war. And the one article that my wife and I uh, looked at, uh, I don't know how we're, they're getting the information, but they said 90% of uh, the German soldiers uh, were killed in captivity especially on the Russian front uh, there was no mercy uh, matter of fact uh, by the time the Americans got on board there were times where they would come up uh, there and they would see Russians just lining up 20 German uh, uh, surrendered uh, prisoners of war at a time and they'd just be shooting him. and he said what are you doing? he said well we don't have food to feed them that was horrible and I was just thinking here about how you know God spared my dad wow dad served out the last of the war in a prisoner of war camp he was not an American prisoner of war camp think of all the places he could have been and that's the providential hand of God in God's goodness and God's mercy and uh, we see that that holocaust basically and the deception of the people comes back to a philosophy that was prevailing throughout Germany going back to the days of Martin Luther and that is what they were taught about the Jewish people and, uh, and the Holocaust was an end result. Uh, I have an English translation of a German book, it's the last book Martin Luther ever wrote and it is the most anti-Semitic piece of literature I've bothered to read. I, to care less about reading anti-Semitic literature because I've read a Bible that tells me another story about his people. And yet, those that uh, have a real hard time even with Israel today, I don't really believe they're Bible students. Uh, and somehow they believed a lie that God, hey, God's done with them. And what they'll emphasize is they killed Jesus. And somehow they're horrible. Listen, we're all sinners. But this, this, this philosophy that takes a group of people and marginalizes those people uh, simply for being um, a certain religious body, uh, it, it's wrong. And so as we look at the Hebrews here, Let's see a few things on what God says about them. All right, first of all, uh, concerning the trumpets, I want you to see that uh, here's the threefold problem that the Hebrews had. Number one, they were a scattered people. And from the Feast of Trumpets, you're going to see an acceleration of their call back to the land. Don't you see it now? I was reading an article not long ago by a preacher talking about how, oh, uh, Israel, they're they're coming back to the land. They're coming back to the land. He said 4.2 million people are back in the land. And uh, I said, let me get on Google and check this out. It was 8.6 million are back. I mean, they're coming back from all over the world. There's a sense even in Europe now that same feel. Prior to World War II here, that anti-Semitic, and, and, and the more that the European nations have uh, coddled Islam, and, and the more they're trying here uh, to appease Islam, uh, the more Israel has become a target. And by the way, there's still not an, an Arab nation that does not want to push Israel into the sea. All right? Uh, there is a hatred for Uh, Israel. And so the scripture does tell us about this. So uh, we see that they were a scattered people, but at the trumpets, all right, at the trumpets, what's going to happen? Well, we're going to see the church is going to exit this old place, and God is going to be working now over these next seven years in the life of Israel primarily, as well as executing judgments on all those nations that forgot God. But this is going to be a time here where because of the pressure, think about it, the Holy Spirit's going to be gone, the Christians are going to be gone. You think it's anti-Semitic now, you wait. And, well, you won't wait because you're going to be in heaven if you know the Lord. Amen. But this old world is going to be in it. And there's going to be greater reasons for them to hate Israel until all the nations of the world are going to converge on that little nation. Think about it. I was looking at just the Islam nations all around Israel. I was shocked to find that only 20% of Muslims today actually are in the Middle East. It's astounding where they all are. And I started looking in the Far East and in Indonesia and... Uh, uh, some of these India, some of these uh, 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 countries that I never put together there in the tribulation period where the, uh, you know, the kings of the east and they're going to be marching and coming down. Where, where, who's got that kind of hatred to make that kind of trip? I think I found the group. And that area is just being flooded here. With those. And you can, you can go on Google and you can just find out how many millions of people uh, are, are uh, a part of uh, the, the Muslim religion there in that part of the earth. And again, the more dominant Islam come, becomes, uh, their hatred for, for uh, Israel is inspired by Satan's hatred. Revelation chapter number 2 12, his hatred. He's the deceiver, he's the dragon. He hates, all right? So we see not only are they a scattered people, but at the trump, we're going to see a continuation of that gathering. But they are a sinful people, and uh, they're going to be cleansed. And we're going to see some verses prophetically about what God's going to do in the nation of Israel. And it's glorious here as far as them seeing uh, God Uh, for who he is, and seeing Jesus Christ as God. So the scattered people, the sinful people, and then thirdly, uh, we see, there you go, a suffering people. and We can't help but look through the the annals of time and uh, see the suffering of the children of Israel. And there will come a time after this seven-year tribulation where God will tabernacle again with man. How long is it going to last? Somebody help me. Thousand year millennial reign of Christ. Wow. Was that? that, I didn't hear your wrong guess. All right. (laughs) I'm focusing on the folks that got it right. All right. These Bible college graduates. All right. All right. Sorry about that, honey. Um, Scattered people, sinful people, suffering people. Suffering. And, and, and their suffering has been long. And so when we look at these uh, gods working with the children of Israel, we have to see that, yes, from the harvest time, that Trump is going to blow, and now God's emphasis turns to his own people. It'll be a, a, a tremendous time of suffering, won't it? It's called Jacob's trouble. You say, why will God make them go through those seven years? Because they denied Christ. He came onto his own, but his own what? Received him not. So they're going to have another opportunity. Isn't that wonderful? And they're going to have that opportunity to see him for who he is and receive him. And we're going to see in Romans 11 how God had that all worked out. It's a marvelous, marvelous passage. Okay? So uh, what do we have here? Letter A. We have under the Hebrews a chosen people. Genesis 12, 1, 2, and 3. The story of Abraham. And God chose him to be the father of the nation of Israel. And uh, in faith and obedience, we see that uh, uh, Abraham is following the Lord. And uh, God here, concerning uh, the nation of Israel, truly does have his chosen people. It's mentioned throughout the scripture. See, I... I I don't know how you come up with this concept. Again, I'm wrestling with this replacement theology where all of a sudden, everything that the Bible says about Israel, oh, by the way, that's all the church now. Ignore Israel, all right? Uh, I I think you're going to see very clearly from Romans 11. If anybody ever read Romans 11, they're going to come back and say, okay, that was stupid to have that doctrine, (laughs) all right? Uh, It just doesn't make any sense Uh, because God has a plan for not only the Gentiles, through this harvest season. But then even after uh, the church is uh, raptured out of this place, God still has a plan for his chosen people. Look at Deuteronomy 7, 6. For thou art a holy God, a, a holy people. I have it on the screen. Unto the Lord thy God. The Lord thy God hath chosen thee to be a special people unto himself above all people that are upon the face of the earth. Remember, the Lord said, listen, I didn't, I didn't choose you because you were the greatest, right? <laughs> uh, here we just have the unvarnished love and mercy of God. So letter A, they're a chosen people. Letter B, they're a cherished people. All right, a cherished people. You, 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 just an honest reading of the Scripture. Look at Jeremiah 31.3. Up on the screen. The Lord hath appeared of old unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved thee uh, with a temporary love. No, everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. Oh, God's love for the people. Jesus' love for the people, Jerusalem. Oh Jerusalem, O oh, Jerusalem. Zechariah 2:8 says. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, after the glory hath he sent me unto the nations which spoiled you, for he that toucheth you toucheth the apple of his eye. That's why our leaders need to know the Bible. It's great judgment on nations today because they are touching the apple of God's eye. And it's not going to go well for them. Oh, that we would have firmly in our hearts and minds that understanding. All right? So they are chosen people, cherished people, but they're also a chastised people. Boy, how many times can we look through the Old Testament and see them in the land and out of the land, right? Uh, The times of the judges. Boy, the the, the cycles of rebellion and getting away from God and God sending into the land an army, right? And uh, there... After uh, that army and that nation had their way with Israel in the land, God raised up what? Book of Judges, that's the hint. A judge, yeah. <laughs> See, this, this Bible college student has got it, all right? How about that one? A judge. He rose up a judge. And, and the Scripture tells us here that for a while they'd go okay, right? Isn't, isn't Judges almost a depressing book to read because you're just going, learn the lesson. You know, how many times you have to just repeat this over and over and over again? So in the land, through the times of the judges and even the kings, God would bring enemies into their uh, cities, and God judged them severely. But there came a time where it was out of the land, right? Uh, First the northern, ten northern tribes by the Assyrians. And uh, then the two southern tribes uh, would fall later uh, to the Babylonians. All right, so, yes, suffering. Yes, God's time of judging. Yes, uh, both in the land uh, and out of the land. The next slide shows us, of course, a picture 70 years after they get to return. What a blessing. God gave us a second chance. Now what? We're back in the land. And yet we see as they're in the land that God rose up the Greeks and the Romans and judgment came to them, to their doorstep. And ultimately, the Romans, led by Titus, 70 A.D., destroys Jerusalem. Josephus says there's a million that are killed. You talk about suffering. The Romans had had it beyond up to here. And we see that from 70 AD to 1948, there are scattered people. What are they waiting for? The trumpet. They're waiting for the assembly. They're waiting for the sound of the trumpet as God is gathering Israel back to the land of Israel. And all oh, that we would recognize that all this is being played out in our generation. It's an amazing, amazing thing. Letter D, they're also a converted people. They're also a converted people. All right, let's look at a couple references here. Um, there's two mysteries that we have in the scripture. One of them is the mystery of. Israel's blindness. Would you go with me to Romans 11? I talked about Romans 11. Boy, if they just read Romans 11. Well, let's read Romans 11. Now again, Paul is writing to a Gentile church in Rome, and I'm sure there's Jews that are scattered within the congregation. But in chapter 11, verse number 1, this is not the first time that Paul's going to use a rhetorical question, right? Uh, He used one on Uh, the Sunday school lesson this morning on the grace of God. Uh, And uh, where sin abounds, grace does what? Much more abound. And so there's some folks that might think, well, because uh, uh, grace abounds because of uh, sin abounding. Why don't I have sin abound in my life so more grace can abound? And what does Paul say? No! All right, chapter 5, verse number 1, he uses almost the same expression I say then, hath God cast away his people? God forbid! That's what he says earlier. God forbid! That's not what grace is about. Grace is not a license for us to do uh, what we want to do. Uh, It's an understanding that because of God's grace now, God gives me a spirit to help me do what I ought to do. And so here in verse number one, I say then, hath God cast away his people? God forbid! For I also am an Israelite, of the seed of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin, God hath not cast away his people, which he foreknew. will ye not what the Scripture saith of Elias, how he maketh intercession to God against Israel? Now through this passage, there's several verses that I'm gonna highlight, lest we don't have really time. But verse 5 talks about this remnant. Even so, then, at this present time also, there's a remnant according to the election of grace. Verse number uh, eight, according as it is written, God hath given them the spirit of slumber. Look at this. Who's He given the spirit of slumber? Israel. Eyes that they should not see, and ears that they should not hear unto this day. He's saying, Listen, I've done something with the nation of Israel so that they can't really see. They're blinded. The scripture goes on again in verse 10. Let their eyes be darkened that they may not see and bow down their back all way. I say then, verse 11, have they stumbled that they should fall? Here's his favorite phrase. God forbid. (laughs) God forbid, but rather through their fall, salvation has come to who? The Gentiles. This is where we come in. All right? Uh, So, uh, in in their stumbling, we see uh, the the Gentile uh, being reached and and, and added there to the church for to provoke them to jealousy. Boy, try to talk to an Orthodox Jew about Jesus Christ. Wow. It's not an easy thing. Uh, You know, their their attitude... I, I don't... Know too many Orthodox that deny the reality that Jesus was a historical figure. But they see Jesus as a great blasphemer, <laughs> pretender. Jesus says he's God. Blasphemy. That's why they wanted to stone him in his day, and that's why they still hate him today. All right? Why? Because supposedly Christianity is holding over the head that you crucified Jesus. You know, God had a plan. God is going to allow some blindness in the eyes here of this Jewish nation for what end? So the Gentiles can hear. By the way, the strangers of Leviticus 23, the harvest of the strangers, the blessing flowing to the strangers. Where? In that harvest season. And now the scripture goes on here. Let's move forward in in chapter number 11. And there's a whole discourse here about the natural branch uh, in verse number 21. And then the Gentile branch that's grafted in. And uh, this back and forth here. Uh, Look at the end of verse 24. Uh, where the scriptures, I'll read the whole verse. For if thou wert cut out of the olive tree, which is wild by nature, then wert grafted contrary to nature into the good olive tree, how much more shall these, which be the natural branches, be grafted into their own olive tree? All right? So God's not done with Israel. God's saying, listen, they could be saved. And, uh, and, and we see it, it began with Israel anyways. And we as Gentiles got grafted in that tree, and maybe that branch got broken, but don't you think that the the, the authentic branch can't be uh, grafted into the authentic tree? Then it goes on, verse 25. Here's the mystery. For I would not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery, lest ye should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part... By the way, it's not total blindness. See that on the slide? Not only is it not total blindness, it's just in part. There are Jews that are getting saved. Brother Irv, a great example. All right? It's not absolute blindness. It's not no Jew can get saved today. I thank the Lord for Jews all over the world that are coming to Christ, just as Muslims all over the world are coming to Christ, just like uh, you know um, Catholics are coming to Christ. And let me add, Baptists are coming to Christ. All right? I thank God here for people, whatever group they are, that they recognize the reality of, of, I need Jesus Christ. So this blindness to the Jewish people is in part. It happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles become in. What's that saying? Hey, when Gentile harvest is over, all right, that blindness is going to be taken away. It's just in part. It's, just, it's temporary. It's not permanent. I tell you, one of the greatest revivals this world will ever know is going to happen there in those seven years. 144,000 Jewish evangelists are going to preach. Wow! God's not done. He's not done with Israel. He's got a plan. His heart's desire is to see them come. All right. So when the fullness of the Gentiles be come in, looks at verse 26. And so all, whoa, Israel shall be what? Amazing. Amazing. What a God. Here's a people that have rejected Jesus Christ. And for 2,000 years now, they've been standing on the wrong side. And yet there's a trumpet day coming. A gathering, an assembly. For the church... We're going to see in a moment, we're gathered in the air. <laughs> Their gathering is to Jerusalem, to Israel. And oh, when you look at the prophetic landscape, you see God right now putting all the pieces together. You listen to the United Nations and see how few nations really are left handfuls, 160 some nations, and you got five or seven that are going to be on Israel's side when it comes to an amendment, it's it's unbelievable, the anti-Israel sentiment in the world today. And can I tell you something? There'll come a time where it will be unanimous because the Bible says all nations are going to come up against Israel. God's going to bring them home, isn't he? He's going to gather them. Uh, He's like in the days of old, Uh, listen, through the hornets, he's going to get you to go where you maybe don't want to go. But you'd rather not be where the hornets are, and so you go. And God's going to allow that to be so severe that they're going to come running back home. It's already happening, but it will happen. So uh, verse number 26, And so all Israel shall be saved, as it is written, there shall come out of Zion the deliverer, and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. And this is my covenant unto them when I shall take away their sins. Boy, a covenant is a big deal with God, isn't it? So don't tell me that God's done with Israel. God made promises. And we can't just switch out one for another just because it doesn't fit our doctrine. I don't like this, people, so i come up with a, another doctrine. Uh, I'm going to replace Israel with the church, and, and that's what I'm going to believe. And, and, and God's absolutely done, and, and, and it's all the church now. It's all just about the church. I'm sorry. It's not from the Bible. So what do we have? We have the harvest. We have the Hebrews. They're chosen. They're cherished. They're chastised, but here they are converted They're converted. All right, the mystery of Israel's blindness. Number two, we don't have time to study this tonight, but the second mystery is the mystery of the church. What a mystery. Uh, Ephesians 3, uh, verse number 3, it's the body. It's the loaf. (laughs) It's the loaf with leaven. You know, when you come to church, just say, hey, yeah, we're just a loaf... And, and thank the Lord for the fine meal. Thank the Lord that Christ is here. He's what makes a loaf. And we're in Him. Yeah, there's still some leaven. But through the Holy Spirit and uh, through God's Word, God can help us be uh, what He's designed for us to be. All right, so the harvest, the Hebrews. Just to give you a few more prophetic passages and I don't want to take a lot of time here, but go back to Isaiah chapter 11. This, this, is, this is prophetic. This, this God wrote, and I want to bring in the element of the trumpet here, verse number 11 and 12. And it shall come to pass in that day that the Lord shall set his hand against the, again the second time to recover the remnant of his people. Some have said, oh, this is after the, uh, you know, the, the exile in Babylon. No, that's the first time. <laughs> yeah, God did let them go home that time. There's a second time coming. And so what we have here is we have a picture, again, God specifically says, again, the second time to recover the remnant of his people which shall be left from Assyria, from Egypt. From Pathos, from Cush, from Elam, from Sinar, from Hamath, and from the isles of what? The sea. Boy, that sounds like a worldwide gathering together, almost like from the four corners of the earth. The exile was from Babylon, right? I'm in Babylon, and now I get to go home. Not from the isles and this place and that place. And This, this is the second time that God's going to be gathering here together uh, from the four, end of verse number 12, from the four corners of the earth. Okay? That's Hebrews 11. Let's go to Hebrews 27. Let's just see this. Ah, Hebrews, Isaiah. Sorry. Isaiah 27. Well, you just get the feel of I just want you to have on your mind that tribulation period. He knows that his time is short. He's coming down in great what? The destroyer. Wrath. All right, that's that's the picture we have here. Yes, it's a gathering. It's an assembly for us. Oh, we get to go to be with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But for Israel, they're going to go through the day of the Lord. We studied that together, uh, what the day of the Lord is. First Thessalonians chapter number 5. Aren't you glad we don't have to go through the day of the Lord? So here the scripture in Isaiah 27 gives us this picture, verse 1. And that day the Lord with his sore and great and strong sword shall punish Leviathan, the piercing serpent, even Leviathan, that uh, uh, cro- crooked serpent. And he shall slay the dragon that is in the sea. All right. What's, what's coming to your mind when you read that passage? book of Revelation. That's what comes to my mind. All right, so Satan's at work. He's, uh, he's, he's that death struggle. He knows his time is short. He's going to be bound. He's going to be cast in the pit. And all his angels... And this is the last hurrah, the last seven years, and he is going to come down in great wrath. And so it's talking about that day. Look at verse 6. He shall cause them that come of of Jacob to take root. Israel shall blossom and bud and fill the face of the world with fruit. Verse 9. By this, therefore, shall the iniquity of Jacob be purged. Another reference, Jacob's trouble. This is all taking place here uh, during that time. And then verse 12 tells us what? Last half of the verse, Unto the stream of Egypt, and ye shall be gathered one by one, O ye children of Israel. And it shall come to pass in that day that the great trumpet shall be blown. There it is. Glory. One of the two trumpets. First trumpet's already blown. And God's church heard it. And we're out of this place. And we're in the clouds meeting our Lord. Listen, while that tribulation period's going on here, we're doing business with God at the great white throne judgment, I mean the judgment seat of Christ. Yes, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Uh, there we have the, the, the examination, wood, hay, stubble, gold, silver, precious stones. What do, you, what do you have? What do you have to offer? And then after that time, we go to the marriage supper of the Lamb right Jesus is coming for his saints at the rapture 7 years later he's coming with his saints all right for warfare for his saints with his saints read it in the book of revelation i'm going up 7 years later i'm coming back but this time he's riding there on that steed all right as the king of kings and the lord of lords and not only is he going to crush the enemy, but he's going to set up his, his reign. This is, what, this is what Israel thought that Jesus was going to do, right? He was going to reign as king on this earth. No, uh, they couldn't see the 2,000 years that have to pass. And they couldn't see all of that. But this is what the Bible gives to us. And oh, the blessing now as we look at uh, God's working, all right? So let's go to that third thought, number three. We saw the harvest. We saw God's working for the Hebrews. The trumpet is blown. All right, there's this gathering, and it's going to intensify here through that day of the Lord. And the last point tonight is in the Feast of the Trumpets, we see a blessed hope, a blessed hope. You know, when a God talks about the Lord's return for the church, it's always a very positive joyful, comforting thought, okay? And so here we see in Scripture number one, the verses on the screen, Titus 2.13, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. That's what the church is looking for. Folks, I'm not looking for the Antichrist. I'm sorry. I know there's all different positions and I'm not going to argue or get mad at you if you have a mid-trib position or post-trib position i'm just a pre-trib preacher all right that's what i am uh and 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 i know there's good men that believe in a mid-trib and if they're right we'll find out real soon right all <laughs> right uh and uh, and so on but uh how how, how could these the, the, these believers be looking for this blessed hope the glorious appearing uh this is not it's jacob's trouble it's not the church's trouble uh, this is a time here for the Lord Jesus Christ to call up uh, His people. Revelation four one is the next slide. Of course, what what tell me what's Revelation two three all about? The church, ecclesia, seven times, seven churches. When's ecclesia found next in the Scripture? In the book of Revelation. All right, well, we see it as the bride at the marriage supper of the Lamb. You're not going to see the church and the vile judgments. You're not going to see the church and the trumpet judgments. It's not there. All right, what happened? After the church age, chapter 2 and 3, right through the, uh, the Laodicean church, the last church mentioned there, the very next verse is chapter 4, verse 1. Look at it. After this, I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven. After what? After that church thing, <laughs> chapter two and three. Yeah, after that, a- a- after that church age. The very next verse says, "I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven, and the first voice which I heard was as it were a what? A trumpet. Woo! Here's the trumpet." As it was a trumpet talking with me, which said, come up hither. Come up hither. What's the next scene? The four and twenty elders at the throne of God, casting their crowns. Wow. The Bible is exciting. God's calendar is exciting. Understanding God's working in the world today is exciting. It ought to boost our confidence and faith in God that we can look back at the spring feasts and say, hey, God did all that. It it happened just as God said it was going to happen in Leviticus 23, book of Exodus, book of Numbers. Just like God said, it's all happened. And now we're standing in the summer harvest and we're looking forward and we're going to see that, you know, God has a plan for the Hebrews. We can see it there on the horizon. He's, he's, He's desiring to bring them back. And, uh, and yes, he's going to deal with them. And, and yes, there's a judgment that's coming, and it's not going to be a, a cakewalk here uh, for, for the, the Jewish believers, the new Jewish believers. There's going to be a lot of bloodshed in the tribulation period, a lot of cutting of the heads. Read that in the book of Revelation. I wonder, I wonder who's doing that lately. Just kind of throwing that out there. I wonder who's doing that. What... Uh, it's either the Lutherans or the Muslims. You know, it's not the Lutherans. It's not the Methodists. It's not the Baptists. It's not the Presbyterians. not the Episcopalians. All right? It's Islam. And that's the form of execution that you see in the book of Revelation. All right? The stage is being set. I mean, you have to condition the people that that's normal. I mean, you, you just don't instantly say, oh, yeah. Little kids now chopping off the heads of uh, of apostates, folks. That has to be taught, and applauded, and and moms and dads, good going, son. To where it takes over a society and a culture. But it'll be the norm in the tribulation. All right. So that's Revelation chapter four, verse number one. Let's go to First Thessalonians chapter five. In the feast of trumpets, we see a blessed hope. For the Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with a voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God. Oh, the feast of trumpets, twofold, two trumpets. One God's gathering of Israel, one God's gathering of the church. God's working. God's designing the church to focus on what? Today. Where are we today? Somebody help me. We're in the what time? Harvest season. We're in those three months. We're going to be held accountable before Almighty God for what we're doing in the field. Boy, when you hear about opportunities here for, 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 for the church family to get involved in getting out the gospel, boy, we, we, we ought to jump. Why get to? What a blessing, what a privilege the Feast of the Trumpets, we see this blessed hope. All right? I'm going to close here with our A, B, C, D. I'll go fast. A, the certainty of our hope. How certain are you that Jesus is coming again? (laughs) John 14, it's talking about I'm going to prepare a place for who? All right? What else does it say? I will come Again, you cheated. I put it on it right there, John 14. <laughs> I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. The certainty of it. Oh, this blessed hope, the confidence that we ought to have, the realization of where we are right now. Um, we're living between these two. We're going to get just the very beginning of the Feast of Trumpets. And we're, we get the first of it, all right? I mean, when that trumpet blows, we go. What a blessing. But the certainty of it, letter A. But notice, notice the clarity of it. The clarity of it. Here's First Thessalonians 5.13. God is desiring that we would not be ignorant of this one thing. All right, let's go to the passage. New Testament, First Thessalonians But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even to them also which sleep in Jesus, will God bring with him? Isn't that going to be amazing? Remember that old hymn we used to sing? There is going to be a meeting in the air in the sweet, sweet. By and by. <laughs> now we got this vision, I'm going to meet them. You know, at the pearly gates or on the streets of gold. Well, yeah, if we die, that's, that's going to be our meeting place. But if we are alive and remain, we're, we, we've, got a, we've got that heavenly reunion in the clouds. Listen, if Jesus were to come this week, our reunion is going to be, here's the Lord, there's family that are in Christ. What a reunion. What a day that's going to be. And so God clarifies, he says, I don't want you to be ignorant. Verse 15, for this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, this is God's word, that we which are alive and remain shall, uh, unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God. So we have the certainty of it, the clarity of it. God doesn't want to be ignorant about these things. Uh, Oh, the fear, the the, the day of the Lord, yes, it's going to be horrible, but it is Jacob's trouble. The rapture, yes, that is for the church. Revelation (laughs) 4.1, come up hither, right after the church age, the comfort of it. Look at verse number 18, wherefore comfort one another with these words. Uh, Can you imagine me trying to comfort you with these words? Yeah, we're all going to go into the tribulation, it's going to be horrible. You're going to see these four horsemen are going to come, and boy, let me tell you about the first one. And then let me, I mean, where's the comfort in that? I don't see a whole lot of comfort in that. But there is comfort in recognizing that, no, uh, the Lord here is desiring uh, to call us up and out, and when we go, the Holy Spirit goes. Why? Because the Holy Spirit's in us. (laughs) Ever imagine what the world would be like without the Holy Ghost, without any restraint whatsoever? You think it's bad now. Take all the salt out. That's what we are. Take all the light out. That's what we are. Take the restraining influence out of this world and how quickly do we have Every man living their own truth. Oh, the comfort. The comfort. Comfort one another with these words. And lastly, the challenge of our hope. The challenge of our hope. Well, based on the reality that God has a plan for Israel, God has a plan for the church. That God's allowed the church in this age of harvest to be as Jesus pointed out to his disciples there at the well of Sychar, the woman that came out, looking for that water that would satisfy. And there as she leaves her water pots and runs back to the city of Sychar, his disciples, they say, Lord, we got sandwiches. (laughs) Lord, we got food. You want to eat? He said, no, I've got meat to eat that you know not of. And then he tries to direct their attention off their food and on the fields. I don't know if they saw the, the heads of, of the men of the city coming out with their you know, wrapped cloth on their head, but look up to the fields. They're white, already ready to harvest. As the, all the, the, the individuals from the city are coming out, why do they come? For the word of the woman. She told them about Jesus. And then for several days, Jesus reveals himself. What a glorious picture of this season, this harvest season, where it's our privilege to just tell others about Jesus Christ. That's the challenge. Occupy. Do God's business until he comes. Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by the Teaching and Preaching Ministry of Crown Point Baptist Church. If this message was a help to you, please feel free to share it on social media. Thanks once again for tuning in.